The psalmist said, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Psalm 145.1, it is the theme verse for Vacation Bible School this week. Different VBS this week, you've heard about it already. Sydney's going to come and uh, certainly pray for the Bible School at the end of the service today. But uh, we're glad that you've come. We encourage you to be praying for Bible School this week. And uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to take just a moment and pray for Bible School. We've got about 150 kids or more already signed up that are doing a take-home uh, Bible school. They'll be getting several things, of course, uh, uh, by videos and those sorts of things. But but you want to be praying for them because it's always a significant week in the life of our church. And many have already gone to help and to participate and putting those things together. But would you pray with me even now as we pray for Bible school this week? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day and this week that you've made. And Father, we believe that we've come together for a purpose here today. And we know that we want to glorify your name. We know that uh, learning, understanding, applying your word is important. And we pray, Father, for this hour, but we also pray, Father, for this week. And we pray for the many parents and kids and those who will be involved in our uh, Vacation Bible School. And while it is a different way of doing things this time, we pray, Father, that and know that your word never returns void and that we can depend upon it. We pray to be a wonderful, great time uh, together, though we do many of these things separately in smaller groups, we uh, pray, Father, in your blessings upon each home and know that you will be in the center and the very present uh, as they study God's Word and learn more about you. And now, Father, we pray for this hour. We thank you for the praises. Prayers already been lifted. We thank you for our time, Father. We're going to be reading your Word. We pray, Father, that everything that we do will certainly bring glory to your holy name. May our lives, may we be transformed, may we be different because We've been in your presence today, and uh, Father, now may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Precious name of Jesus, I lift these prayers, amen and amen. Would you find your Bibles, please, and find Exodus chapter 17? We're going to be reading verses 8 through 16, Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 and following. And as we read God's Word, we will be... Uh, continuing our series and as we continue our series on the life of Moses and uh, this great exodus we're talking about the escape zone we've talked already about how uh, we might be able to escape so that uh, we're not enslaved to uh, Satan sin or this world and now we want to be able to move forward in Jesus and we're talking about the Israelites as they are in the wilderness thank you so much for worship today what a great set of worship as a matter of fact now that you find your place in the Bible, take you just a moment and would you lift up a word of applause of praise for how the Lord has used our praise band today. We appreciate it. And thank you for coming today and thank you for being online today. I will tell you that uh, every week for the past many weeks now, it's family reunion time every time. Some people we hadn't seen in years and then there's others we hadn't seen in months. So we're glad everybody's coming back, maybe some for the first time every time you come. We want you to feel safe, we want you to feel healthy, and that everything that we do is God-honoring uh, as we move forward. So you pray for us as a church, and that we will handle things as a corporate body, and certainly individually continue to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. This now is the Word of God from Exodus chapter 17. We're going to begin reading in verse 8. Would you stand in honor of the reading of God's Word today? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek, and tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. 
So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Verse 14 reads, And the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word. And you may be seated. Winston Churchill, of course, the best known, I guess, prime minister of England, particularly during World War II, it was said, or he was known for being asked to come and speak at a graduation commencement time in which he was introduced and he came up to the podium and he said five words, never, 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 never quit. Although sometimes it's repeated, he said six words, never, never, never give up. Well, and certainly those are good words to remember, particularly maybe to apply to military battles like we're reading here today, because uh, certainly uh, uh, Churchill was a military leader, and uh, certainly maybe uh, when we think about football games or in sports, never, never, never quit. Uh, uh, how about uh, staying in school, pursuing your dreams? Uh, certainly many of these things, probably just about anything that you could think of that has to do with keeping on, keeping on, though you probably wouldn't want to hear it about a sermon, never, never, never quit. But certainly when we apply it particularly maybe to the walk that we had with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and following Him, we want to never, never, never quit and never give up. Only problem is that uh, Churchill never said these particular words and never got up and only said five words. Somehow, I'm not sure where the legend began. However, he was asked on October 29, 1941 to come to speak at a school that he had grown up, grew, where he grew up, called Harrow School, just outside central, on, central London. During his 30-minute speech, he said these words. Never give in. Never give in. Never, never, never. In nothing, great or small, large or petty, never give in, except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Still very inspirational, and particularly if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, I'm not sure if Churchill was, but when we couple that with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that we want to continue and be assured of the victory we have in this life for all those who follow Jesus, that quitting or giving up is not an option. It's interesting to me how I have... Uh, heard people talk about the things that we're going through in these days and sometimes they'll talk about it even religious people perhaps uh, as if this is coming from God is this judgment of God and we've said it here and maybe you've heard it from others that if this were God's judgment you would not have to ask or I've heard others talk about it perhaps it sure seems like the fulfilling of prophecy or the fulfilling of what's happening in Revelation however we know what's happening in Revelation will be from God no Today, the trouble happening in the world is part of living in a fallen world due to sin and because we know that the enemy is on the loose. His name is Satan. We know him as the devil, sometimes called the destroyer, deceiver, or prince of demons. 
He is real and He is your enemy. And He, he if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, He has you in His sights. He wants to bring you down. Now, He cannot take you away from the family of God, but He can keep you or He does want to keep you from influencing others who might follow the Lord Jesus. And if he can make you miserable, if he can take away your joy, well, it's just an added bonus. And you need to know you're no match for the enemy. You cannot defeat him, but you know one who already has. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are forever connected to the one who is the Prince of Peace, who has overcome this world and has assured us of the victory found in our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you, meaning Jesus, than the one that we know is loose in this world. Now we talk about greater. It's just not just a little bit greater. But it's much, much greater. Satan is no match for our Lord. And at the conclusion of the first battle of Israel, Exodus chapter 17 and verse 15 we read just a moment ago, it says Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, meaning the Lord is my banner, reminding us that He is our rallying point. He is the one that we go to for instruction and power to endure and to have victory in every battle that we face. Let's use this Old Testament passage this morning to be prepared to fight the battles that we're facing today and for the future. Now be aware, the enemy wants to use the battles that you're facing to destroy your witness and to steal your joy. And the Lord wants to use the battles that you're facing today to make you stronger and to grow His kingdom and to be able to grow His church. So maybe you've got some notes there in front of you. We'll have some on the screen or there at home. They'll probably come on the TV screen as well. But we'll be talking about facing today's battle or facing today's battle, God is calling you. And here's the first one. God is calling you godly servant leader to be a person of influence. Now, this short passage that we read today is a passage of first. It's the first time Israel will do battle. There's going to be lots of battles ahead. This is the very first one. It's the first time that Moses was asked to write down things in a book. Write this down. Now, who's the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament? It was Moses. First time Moses received physical help from being weary. He's about 81 uh, by the time this battle takes place. He lives to be about 120. We think, well, maybe he does need some help because of his age, but in Deuteronomy we're told that he never loses his strength. His strength is never diminished, but regardless, all of us need help from time to time. It's also the first time that we're introduced to two new leaders, never mentioned before in the Bible until this point. One of those is her, H-U-R, which we know very little about. The other one is Joshua, whom we know much about. Great military leader becomes the successor of Moses, will lead the people into the promised land. But I want you to recognize, as we kind of move forward in the passage, I want you to recognize the four leaders that are here. There is Moses, of course. He is the greatest prophet, perhaps, and maybe the greatest leader of the Old Testament and called the meekest man who ever lived because he gave himself over to the Lord completely. When people complain, they complain to Moses, but God will prove once again that Moses is God's anointed leader. Moses will hold the staff of God on the hill while the people are in battle, and he'll get by with a little help from his friends, and God brings the victory. And then there's Aaron, 
Moses' brother, we know of him before. He's the spokesperson or has been the spokesperson for Moses. And uh, Bible, though, does not paint him in a very good picture, I guess. He's kind of a weak leader, and more often than not, we'll learn what not to do from Aaron. Still, he is a priest, and he is used of God. In fact, in this passage, he is a good example in this particular episode. And then there's her, a leader. Later, he and Aaron will be left in charge when Moses goes on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. And uh, there is a her who's instrumental in the building of the tabernacle. This may or may not be the same one. And Aaron and her will be helpers today while on the hill during the battle. And then there's Joshua. Well, we know lots about Joshua. Uh, we know that uh, uh, there's a book that bears his name. He's a military leader instrumental in leading God's people into the promised land when Moses goes on the mountain while Aaron and her there are left with the people there next to the mountain and you know the people were disobedient built the golden calf Joshua's the one that goes with Moses on the mountain at least up to a certain point Joshua we know he and Caleb of the adults who are over the age of 20 they were the only two adults that left Egypt that were able to enter into the promised land do you know that Joshua was not his first name we read about it in Numbers chapter 13 that uh, his first, he was first called Hosea until Moses changed his name. Now, Hosea means salvation. And it's changed to Joshua. And Joshua, which is the Hebrew form of the same name for Jesus, it means the Lord is salvation. Because Moses saw the hand of the Lord on Joshua. Time and time again, we find where Joshua was obedient to what the Lord called him to do here. Moses had told Joshua to go and to gather men and to go and fight the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites were nomadic people. They traveled from place to place. They probably were used to fighting for everything in which they had and plundering the people in which they did battle with. They were also descendants of Esau, Jacob's brother, also called Israel. So they were sworn enemies of the Israelites. Now, Joshua was asked to do a great task with the people who were former slaves and were about to face their battle. He gathered the fighting men, and with one day's notice, he led them in battle. And even when they were losing, and yes, we read just a moment ago that sometimes they were losing, he never quit. Now, in a quick rundown, what can we learn from these four servant leaders? Well, from Aaron and her, we learned that you need to show up. Uh, well, you need to probably do more than just show up, but at least with Aaron and her, and sometimes they showed up, they did the wrong thing. But particularly in this passage, they at least showed up. Maybe you've heard uh, maybe the phrase that uh, at least 80% or 90% of success is just showing up. Well, there's a second part of that phrase. If 80% is showing up, 20% then is following up. And I, I don't mean when we talk about, so you need to at least show up. And I don't mean to just show up like at church, but show up that you might be God's servant leader. But then also you need to, from Moses we learned that you need to submit to God. Moses was the meek, weak, meekest man who ever lived because he submitted to God. He was not the weakest, he was strong because he submitted to God, but he was meek. And then we learned from Joshua, we learned of salvation's evidence. Salvation's evidence. God's hand was with Joshua and his belonging to the Lord is clearly seen. It's seen in his name, change of his name. It's seen in how he was obedient. May your salvation, your obedience and trust in God be evident 
And then we also learn to stay the course. And today we learn from those, all of these leaders. They all stayed the course. All serve, four servant leaders are commended. Now, these lessons will permeate our discussion today and how we're to face the battle. God's calling servant leaders to be people of influence. Now, you may not feel very much like you're a leader, but you are a person of influence, particularly during the battle today if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus. But facing today's battle, God is also calling good soldiers. He's calling you, good soldier, to submit to the Lord God. One of the songs that we used to sing sometimes, and we still do sometimes in churches, Onward Christian Soldiers. But we often don't look very much like maybe like an army ready to do battle. But you need to realize the Israel did not look like an army ready to do battle either. They were slaves. Joshua got them ready in one day. Now maybe he was preparing them along the way. But consider this, the disciples didn't look like an army or look like soldiers as well. They were made up of fishermen and fanatics. As a matter of fact, later on, after they, some of the disciples had been arrested for telling other people about Jesus, they made a comment. They said, these seem like backwood, redneck, unlearned men. Now that's kind of a paraphrase of what was said, but they, but they turned the world upside down for Jesus. Now, hope that you find this a refreshing passage in the midst of seeing the Israelites not always having the best attitude and actions. We now have a passage where we can see a good example of God's people. Probably not very disciplined, no match for the enemy, but they were willing to go to battle. Now, it's not just speculation that they may not have been ready, because as we read the story a moment ago, when Moses held up the staff, they were winning the battle. When he lowered the staff, they were losing the battle. On their own, they were no match for the enemy. Often in the New Testament, the Christian life is portrayed as a spiritual warfare with battles to be fought. And we must be ready for the battles we fight today and for the future. So as a good soldier, you must identify the enemy and identify who it is not. Moses identified the enemy, the Amalekites, who'd already attacked. The Lord's identified our enemy. First, who it is not. It is not with flesh and blood. It's not with the lost. It's not with people that you may disagree with religiously or politically. It's not with people who do injustice or violently protest against injustice. Those are the ones that we want to win to Jesus. And it's certainly not against fellow church members or fellow believers. Let love reign, especially among those of us who are part of the body of Christ. Oh, our battles with principalities and powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this present age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. In fact, we have a threefold enemy. While it may not necessarily be a blank in your notes, you may want to write this down so that you can identify the enemy. It's Satan, sin, and death. It's Satan, sin, and we probably could add in the sin, part of the sin, selfishness that we still have is in death. And we know that the Lord has already defeated these. Good news is Jesus defeated all three with the cross and the resurrection. My sin and your sin were placed on the cross. Satan may have really thought he won for a short time until Christ rose on that first resurrection Sunday. And today, because of Jesus, we can say, as the Apostle Paul said, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Now that's the good news. Well... There's some other news that may not be such good news, but 
Satan, sin, and our own selfishness, and even fear of death still lingers in this world we live. You still have battles to fight. Ultimate victory has already been won, but so that you and I might be the hands and the feet of Jesus, you're not immediately whisked up to heaven, nor are you relieved of duty. You're still called on to be a good soldier, ready to fight battles, battles with our old sinful nature, sometimes the satanic forces, and sometimes with these frail worldly bodies we have which sometimes fail us and often tempt us. Now, the governor of the state of Alabama says that if we're going to beat the battle in COVID-19, we must wear what? Mask. The Lord tells you, in this world, if you're going to win the battles, you're going to have to put on more than mask. In the New Testament, we're told to put on the full armor of God, meaning the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes which are the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. These are found in Ephesians chapter 6. Spiritual battles, which is what we're facing, require spiritual weapons. Our uh, prayers are with uh, those who are in the midst of a couple of hurricanes, I guess, that are taking place today. Maybe one that may be a little devastating to Hawaii. We have friends in Hawaii, and our prayers for them. Pastor in Hawaii tells this story. I've always thought that's a tough assignment to have a pastoring in Hawaii. But he tells the story of his church being a near a Marine Corps base. He had lots of Marines in his church, and they were always willing to do anything that was asked of them. Well, they had a little problem there maybe with some of the Sunday school teachers with the children, and because many of the boys seemed to be out of hand, and they just probably couldn't quite gather them in for the children to be able to hear the lesson, do all the things. Some of them even ready to quit. Well, in some inspiration, the pastor thought, I'm going to get some of those Marines to come in, sign each one of them to a class, and in his words, to rough them up and sit on them. Now, to the ladies, this kind of borderline on child abuse, but the boys viewed it as play and affection, and they loved it. But placing one Marine per room with the order to hold them while the teacher taught the lesson solved their discipline problem. The pastor said, in one Sunday, I came to realize that every church needs a few good men. In verse 9, Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men. Actually, he just said, Choose men to go out and fight the Amalekites. He didn't say go out and choose the strongest men. Didn't go out and choose the best fighting men. None of them had ever fought in a, fought in a battle before, but let's make some assumptions here. They could identify the enemy, in this case, the Amalekites. And this was a real battle, and we learned some spiritual truths, but they were willing to fight. Every church needs a few good men and women and boys and girls and teenagers and college students in order that we might be able to find our place. We might be ready to get into the battle and mix it up, ready to rumble spiritually. Good soldiers are not necessarily those who are seasoned and experienced in battle, but those who are willing to go forward in Christ's name for the greatest cause on earth, fighting for the kingdom of God. So I'm asking you this morning, are you willing are you willing today to say, Lord, I may not have much to offer. I don't know what you have in mind. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I'm reporting for duty, sir. Facing today's battles, God's calling you to pick up a weapon. God's calling you to pick up the sword, which is the Word of God. 
Don't miss the short verse, verse 13 of Exodus chapter 17, where it says, And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. In the New Testament, we're clearly told that the sword that we're to do battle with is the Word of God. It is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It was the weapon of choice when Jesus faced his temptations with Satan when he was here on earth. It should be our weapon of choice if we're going to fight the spiritual battles as soldiers in God's army. As godly servant leaders and good soldiers, we've identified the enemy, sin, Satan, and death. It's also important that you identify the weapon or the weapons that you're going to use. Now, here's an illustration maybe that it might hit home with some. How many of you who have a gun for hunting or for protection or for your work? We have many law enforcement people in our church. How many of you know where your gun is right now? How many? Oh, yeah, you didn't have to raise your hand, uh, but that's good. How many, uh, how many of you know where your gun is always? How many of you know how to use it? Now, could we say the same thing about the Bible? How many of you know where your Bible is right now? Always know where it is? How many of you know how to use it? It may be. It just may be that the Lord is using what all we're going through right now so that we might be able to see the importance of calling upon God and following the instructions in His Word. It also may be that we need to be careful because there's the temptation to let God's word fall by the wayside with not as many gathering for worship and lesson Bible study. And for those who are worshiping uh, online, oh, we're so glad that you are. We're very grateful that we're able to do that and you're able to watch online and we, we appreciate you. You're a winner here or there. We're glad that you do that. And only for sake of illustration, let me say this. What's in your hand? Is it the cereal bowl or the sword today? Well, it is Life, Lifeway in the Lifeway Research Department. They've said that uh, one-third of church members since March 12th have not engaged in Bible reading, Bible study, or worship since March 12th. One-third of those who were involved in church are those who are church members we're facing real battles today, physical and spiritual. Pick up your weapon. Stand your post. I'm, I mean, really. Pick it up. Open it. Read it. Follow the instructions. Where is the Word of God? More important to whether you're holding a cereal bowl, just for illustration, so more important to whether you're holding a cereal bowl or the sword right now, where is the Word of God? It needs to be in your heart. That's where we fight the spiritual battles. But you've got to put it. You've got to put it there. You've got to be sure that, that it is in your heart. God's calling you. Also, God's calling you prayer warriors. Stay the course. Uh, now's the time. I mean, if you were not one before, now's the time. Be consistent in your prayer. The strategy that while these soldiers fought in the trenches, Moses and Aaron and Hur will go to the top of the hill. Moses hold up the staff of God. The staff that represented the presence and the power of God in Egypt, the staff that had parted the Red Sea that God had used to bring water from the rock. That was the plan for Moses to go and to hold up the staff. But Scripture tells us what happened. As Moses' hands were lifted, the Israelites would be winning the battle. When Moses got tired, lowered his hands, they would begin to lose the battle. Now, 
many Bible scholars maybe have debated exactly why this was, but Moses did not serve as some kind of psychological edge that as long as the soldiers saw Moses, they were encouraged, and they had courage to fight. But when they couldn't see him anymore, they've lost courage. Well, that's how a lot of Christians practice what they call faith. As long as I listen to the right songs and have good inspiration, keep a cross in my pocket, I have the courage to keep on fighting the good fight. Now, Moses' staff represented the power of God. He was the intercessor for God's people. The strategy is to go to God in prayer and faith. The Jewish way of praying would always be to raise your hands in prayer. Moses represented the power and the prayer and the faith in God. So God's calling you, not only prayer warriors, but God is calling you to assist others in the battle. See, I don't know when Aaron and, uh, Aaron and her came with Moses on the hill. I don't know if they, Moses knew that he was going to need help. But Aaron, his brother, and her, a trusted leader, were with him. And when Moses tired, they got him a rock for him to sit on. One stood on one side of Moses, and the other stood on the other side. And they held his hands steady all day long. And the Israelites, with God's power, won their very first battle. Now make a mental picture of this. Moses is standing on the hill. He's holding the staff of God, representing the power of God that's taking place. There's Aaron and Hur on either side helping hold him up there. All the Israelites, or at least the fighting men, are there in the battle in the valley. Joshua is their leader. That's the picture of the church. That all of us have a job to do. Now, prayer is everybody's job. We have great prayer warriors in the church. We have great prayer warriors who are praying from home. We're thankful for them, for without them, and without you lifting hands to God together, we'd be lost. Never, never, never quit. Never stop interceding on behalf of each other. Never stop looking for ways to serve one another and to lift one another up. In fact, this may be a big key in the success of the battle, not necessarily thinking how this is affecting me, but if, I, if I'm going through a battle, somebody else is going through a battle, how is it that I can help others? How can I lift others up? How can I bring encouragement? But there's another application here. If Moses needed help from his church family, how much must we? Let's not get so caught up with ourselves that we don't see our brother and sister in need of a helping hand. Now, those who claim Christ but have no need of the church, I have a hard time believing because I believe we're all going to be in need of the church. But even if there are those who have Christ who truly have no need of the church, how selfish is it because you and I may have need of them because we need each other? And I've got a number six. If you're looking at your notes, there were only five, but I had to have another six. I had to have a number six for some reason. I don't know if it's a three and three thing, but something's happening. But here's the number six. Because God is calling you to remember His work in you. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you need to know that Christ has already saved you. He's already come inside of you. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives inside each one of us. We have a home in heaven that's waiting for us. We know He's walking with us every day. Transformation's already taken place. We've crossed over and we need to remember the work that He's done in each one of us. If you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, then today we hope that today will be the day of salvation if you're listening or you're here today so that you might give your heart and life 
to Jesus as well. When the battle is over, Moses is told for the first time to write this down and literally put it in Joshua's ear. For there would be a lot of battles ahead that Joshua and the Israelites would fight. Joshua would be the new leader. People would need to remember what God had done. Now your immediate application, just as God has been with you in the past, well, He's going to be with you today and He's going to be with you in the future. But there's more. Notice verse 14, it said, God will utterly blot out the memory or the name of Amalek. But he doesn't do it right away. In verse 16, it says, The Lord will continue to fight with Amalek from generation to generation. Do you ever have a hard time remembering all the ites of the Old Testament? There's the Amalekites, and there's the Canaanites, there's the Hittites, there's the flashlights, and the porch lights. And it's my favorite joke, so I tell it whenever possible. Well, the Amalekites will continue to be the enemy of Israel for a long time. Joshua will fight them again. Gideon fought the Amalekites. King Saul fought the Amalekites. David fought them. And finally, King Hezekiah finally destroyed them completely. Do you, do you think that it was or it would have been a help that every time they fought the Amalekites, particularly for Joshua and the Israelites, if they had remembered, oh yeah, God says we've already won. We've already got victory over the Amalekites. And every time they fought and had a battle, not just the Amalekites. Should it be a help to you and me that we face each battle to remember that God has done what God has done in you as a child of God and to remember His promises that He makes to every believer, everyone who's given their heart and life to Jesus. Don't be like the disciples when they were told to get on the Sea of Galilee and go across the Sea of Galilee. Twice they were asked to do that. Twice they were in the storm. Once Jesus was asleep in the boat. Another time Jesus came walking on the water. When Jesus was asleep in the boat, the disciples woke him up and said, Don't you care that we perish? Well, Jesus didn't say, We're going to go to the middle of the South Sea of Galilee and drown. He said, Let's go out in the middle and let's stop rowing. Or let's just go to the middle and let's just give up. Oh, he said, We're going to the other side. So if Jesus said they were going to the other side, guess what? They were going to the other side. But they weren't quite to the place yet where they believed everything that Jesus said. Remember what Christ has done in you. And remember His promises. For He has a purpose and a place and a future for you. My, uh, my daughter was in a wedding, bridesmaid in a wedding this weekend. It's been tough to be married in 2020. It's tough to have a wedding, I guess. Now, it was supposed to be a big outdoor wedding that happened in April. It was still an outdoor wedding, but there's a difference between an outdoor wedding in April and an outdoor wedding in July. Not as many people came. They were to have a big weekend a few weeks before the wedding of 30 of her closest friends, but uh, so that was canceled. They ended up with about a dozen or so that went somewhere about a few weeks ago. Uh, beforehand. I don't know about the groomsmen, but there were several bridesmaids that recently were tested positive. Not everybody made it. In fact, her best friend and cousin who lived in another state was not able to go because of a two-week quarantine, and it kept her from coming. Many other changed things because of COVID. So much for the big celebration. But they did celebrate. How is it that they could celebrate in such circumstances with all the things that are going on because the bride still got the groom and the groom still got the bride? Well, how can you still celebrate today 
how can you still follow Christ in the midst of the battle? Because regardless of what you go through, no matter what the battle, no matter what the pandemic or the injustice, no matter the pain, the disappointment, or even in death, you still get Jesus. So you want to keep fighting the fighting, the good fight with godly love and truth. Now today, even as a believer in the Lord Jesus, you can sometimes try to fight your battles with Jesus without Jesus. Or you can be listening today and you've not accepted Christ yet. You're going to have to face battles without Jesus because you don't have him in your heart and life. But can I tell you, I wouldn't recommend it. If the Lord is leading you to make a decision of some kind today, we want to give you opportunity to do that. You can go on our website. We have a contact or connect card and also even a church membership card. If you are interested in church membership, one of our pastors be glad to talk with you about some of these uh, very things. If you have prayer requests, you certainly can call our church office anytime and let us know, but you can also go on our website to the Connect card and let us know about that. I'm going to turn it over to Sydney, tell us some more things about Bible School.